This morning, we're going to be looking at John chapter 12, looking at verses 34 to 50. And these verses conclude the first half of John's gospel. As I've mentioned before, many theologians divide the gospel of John into two portions, the book of signs and the book of glory. The book of signs, which we have covered, covers the seven key miracles of Jesus, which John calls signs. And remember, these miracles uh, act as signs. They point to who Jesus is and what he has done. And then the book of glory, which starts in chapter 13, focuses mainly on Jesus's last week here on earth and the teachings that surround that week. And so just so you know, uh, since we're finishing the book of signs today, we're going to be taking a break from the Gospel of John. Um, in the month of May, we're going to have some standalone sermons. And then in June and July, we're going to go through a series in the Psalms. Um, and then in the fall, we'll pick back up in the Gospel of John. All right, well, this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 12, verses 34 to 50. And what we see in this section is Jesus' final free offer of the gospel to the public. And then we get an explanation on why so many people don't believe in the gospel. And I'm just going to let you know this morning, this is a hard portion of scripture. Jesus is the sovereign God who, because of the hardness of men's hearts, actually hardens their hearts even more as judgment. That's not easy to hear. But if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to trust in him, we're going to have to accept not only the easy sayings of Jesus, but the hard sayings of Jesus. So last week we saw how the crowds, they welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem with loud shouts and waving palm branches, thinking that he was going to be this coming king that would rescue them from the Romans. And then we see Jesus correcting their idea of who he is by saying that his hour had come for him to die. He was not the Messiah, not the king that they were expecting. In verse 32, he said that when he is lifted up from the earth, referring to his crucifixion, that he will draw all kinds of people to himself. And it is in that context that now the crowd responds to him in verse 34. Let's read verse 34. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come, into the, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that your word is sometimes hard to hear. It challenges and it convicts us. We ask that you would give us the ability to hear this hard word and to respond to it with humility and obedience. Please soften our hearts and open our minds to receive it so that we're soberly warned and that we would run into the arms of Christ who is the light and who freely offers salvation to all who believe. Finally, we pray that your word would not return void, but would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. May it transform our lives, renew our minds, and help us to live more fully for you. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm sure that some of you in this room who are Christians have had moments where you've wondered, why doesn't everyone believe the gospel? Why doesn't everyone believe the gospel? Why is it that some people believe and then others just flat out reject Christ? Even though they read the same passage of scripture, even though they sat through the same sermon. For those of us who know the truth, who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, it's hard and challenging for us sometimes to think that so many people don't believe. The passage before us this morning talks about an unbelieving people. The people in this crowd, they've seen it all. They've seen the miracles. They know that Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, and they still don't believe. In verse 34, Jesus has said that he came to be lifted up, and notice their response is this. Verse 
We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? The crowd here is confused. Jesus had just said that he was going to die. And they say, well, according to the law, according to the scriptures, the Messiah is supposed to live forever. Maybe they're thinking of the many scriptures that speak of the Messiah or the son of David who is reigning forever. But at the same time, they must have forgotten the passages that talked about the Messiah who would suffer for his people. The Christ, the Son of Man, is right in front of them. And they don't see him. They don't believe in him. And John is going to answer the question for us this morning, why doesn't everyone believe? Why doesn't everyone believe? If, if Jesus is who he says he is, why doesn't everyone believe? And this, this is Jesus' last sermon that he's going to give publicly. From this point on, he's going to speak to his disciples in the upper room in chapters 13 through 16. In chapter 17, he's going to pray to the Father in the garden. He'll be arrested and put on trial in chapter 18, crucified in chapter 19. He'll be raised from the dead in chapter 20 and then have this private final meeting with his disciples in chapter 21. But this is the last time that he will speak openly to the public, which means what he says here is significant. These are his last parting words to those who don't believe. He knows that his hour has come. And if Jesus knows that this is his hour, then the words he says here carry much weight. Because when someone finds out that they're going to die and that they don't have much time left, what do they do? They get their affairs in order, and then they, most times, gather those closest to them, around them, and share some parting words. That's what's happening here. This is the last time Jesus is going to preach publicly. So for those of you who are taking notes, I've separating this sermon into three sections. We're going to see Jesus' response to the crowd, the people's unbelief, and Jesus' final offer of the gospel. Jesus' response to the crowd, the people's unbelief, and then Jesus' final offer of the gospel. In response to the crowd's questions, Jesus responds to them by urging them to believe in and obey him while they have the opportunity. We see that in verses 34 to 36. And then John provides a scriptural explanation of unbelief. We see that in verses 37 to 43. And then Jesus makes one last public offer of the gospel in verses 44 to 50. And the main point, what I hope you see in the text is this. Believing and following Jesus, who is the light, guards against the darkness and dangers of unbelief. Believing and following Jesus, who is the light, guards against the darkness and dangers of unbelief. So the crowd has expressed that they don't know who he is. 
They can't understand what he's saying. They're spiritually blind. And Jesus now says in verse 35, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Well, we know that Jesus is talking about himself as the light because we've heard before, even in chapter eight, Jesus calls himself the light of the world and says that whoever believes in him would not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And there are two ways we can understand what Jesus is saying here in this passage. On one hand, he's speaking to the people of the day and saying that he was only going to be with them physically for a little while longer. He's going to go to the cross and die for the sins of his people. He's going to raise and ascend into heaven. And so he urges them to believe in him while he was still physically present with them. But there's a second way that we can take Jesus' words here, and it applies to us today. He's saying there's only so much time for the light of the gospel to be offered. There are only so many days, only so many opportunities, and then at some point, the light will no longer be offered to us. The door of salvation by faith in Christ will be shut one day forever. That should be something that weighs on our hearts. Especially when we think about those that we love, that we haven't shared the gospel with. There's still time for men and women and boys and girls to believe in the light. But at some point in the future, there will be no more sermons, no more offer of Christ. Jesus' sermon here has both a promise and a warning. The promise is if you walk in the light, if you come to the light, if you believe in Jesus, you will no longer walk in darkness and you will be considered a son or daughter of light. And it's a free offer. Jesus isn't saying, shape up, do more, try better. Unfortunately, there are people in the church that sometimes put heavy burdens on people. And they make the gospel sound like you got to do this and this and this. If you do enough, then Christ will accept you. But that is not in line with the teaching of the scriptures. Remember the purpose of John's gospel. What John says is the purpose for his writing, why he wrote these things down, so that you would what? Believe. That's it. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and then you would have life in his name. And Jesus says in his last sermon, look, the light's not going to be with you for that much longer. Walk while you have the light. Come to the light. Believe in the light. Believe in me. Otherwise, the darkness will overtake you. Jesus offers a great promise but then extends a sober warning. And why does Jesus offer this warning? Well, it's because so many people don't believe. Why don't people come to the light when it's freely offered? Jesus says it's 
because people love the darkness. Why will they not come to Jesus? Very simply, it's because people love their sin. Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. There is one reason and one reason only why people don't come to Christ, and it's because they love their sin more than they see their need for a Savior. And it's very important that that you sitting here today, Christian, that this is a word and a warning for you as well. Not just for the unbelieving people around you. If you think about it, who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the religious people of the day. And their sin and their darkness is hidden. It's hidden under their works and their religious actions. And so my question to all of you here this morning is, are you believing in Jesus Christ? Are you walking in the light? Or are you walking in the darkness? Darkness dwells in every one of our hearts by nature. J.C. Ryle said this in his commentary, We only half believe the heart's deceitfulness. Let us read our Bibles more attentively and search their contents more carefully. Even when Christ wrought miracles and preached sermons, there were numbers of his hearers who remained utterly unmoved. We only half believe our heart's deceitfulness. Jesus has been promised in the scriptures. And he came to his people. And you would have thought his people would have welcomed him with open arms. You would have thought that his people would have believed in him. And yet most of the Jewish people rejected him. And John here answers the question for us. He gives us an explanation from the scriptures as to why the Jews did not believe. In verses 37 to 41, John points us back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. And then there are two things that John points out from the book of Isaiah. The first is that Isaiah foretold that many people would not believe in Jesus. Look at verse 37. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Here, John is quoting out of Isaiah 53, verse 1. And this is a chapter that most Christians are very familiar with. Right? It's it's the chapter that predicts the sufferings of Jesus in strong detail. I'm going to read some of it for, for you, just to jog your memory. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those are some of the greatest words in the Old Testament. Some of the greatest words in all of the scriptures. And John, the writer of this gospel, quotes from that same chapter, the first verse. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? What is the answer? Not many. Isaiah's expressing his surprise that no one believes his message. He has this message from God, and yet the people don't believe. And what was true for Isaiah was true for Jesus. Many people did not believe in him. And what John says here is that the unbelief of the Jews fulfilled this prophecy in Isaiah. Why did the people respond this way? There's no other explanation than the sinfulness of the human heart. The sinfulness of the human heart. The sinful pride of the Jewish people, despite all the miracles that they had seen, all that Jesus had said, all that he did, they still wouldn't believe. Think, think about the signs that they saw. The feeding of the 5,000. Thousands of people being fed with just a few loaves and some fish. And then Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And if that wasn't enough, he raised a man who was dead for four days. And yet they still wouldn't believe. And what was true of the Jews is, is also true of people today who hear the gospel and don't believe. In the Bible, they have everything they need to know about who Jesus is. We have the gospels written down. God given us these stories, these historical accounts written down by the Holy Spirit so that we can know who Jesus is and what he has done. And yet what? People still don't believe. There are roughly 100,000 people living in the city of Elgin. 2.6 million people living in the city of Chicago. And the vast majority of them don't believe. And even when the evidence for Christ is crystal clear and compelling, like we see in the Bible, if people don't want to, they won't believe. That's why the best preaching and the best evangelists can fail to persuade people. That's why the Holy Spirit is needed to regenerate our hearts to open our hearts to receive the good news of the gospel, to have new life, to have new birth, because the heart is so hard. And people won't believe in Jesus if they don't want to. This is a hard truth, but it gets even harder. 
Not only did Isaiah foretell that many Jews would not believe, he also foretold that many Jews could not believe in Jesus. Look at verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe. He didn't say that they would not believe. He said that it was not possible that they could believe. That's a hard word. John pulls from another part of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. That's the chapter where Isaiah is called to be a prophet, where Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on his throne and the train of his robe fills the temple. And then the Lord asks, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, Lord, send me. And here's the message the Lord has Isaiah say to this hardened, unrepentant group of people. Look at verse 40. John is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who did Isaiah see? It says here that he saw his glory and spoke of him. He's talking about Jesus. Here in John 12, according to the apostle John, Isaiah saw Jesus on the throne in Isaiah chapter 6. The one who gave Isaiah the message, I am going to blind their eyes and harden their hearts. That was Jesus. This is a hard truth. Now, does this mean that Jesus was responsible for the unbelief of the Jews? No. The Bible is clear that human beings are responsible for either believing or rejecting Christ. But what it is saying here is that when the Jews willingly refused to believe, God confirmed them in their unbelief. Theologians call this judicial hardening, God's judgment on the people for their unbelief. God hands the people over to their unbelieving hearts. Have we seen that somewhere else in the Bible? Think about the book of Exodus. Pharaoh, right? God hardened Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh had hardened his own heart towards the Lord. When people reject God, he rejects them. But to be clear, this is not God blocking people out who are willingly running to him saying, I want to believe. I want to be saved. And then God says, nope, nope, sorry. I don't think so. That's not what's happening here. But God is exercising judgment in this life on the wicked by blinding their eyes so they don't see and hardening their hearts so they don't understand. That's a hard truth. J.C. Ryle makes this point, though. Though those whom he had said to harden and blind will always be found to be persons whom he had previously warned exhorted, and constantly summoned to repent. It's not like these people didn't have a chance to believe. 
There were many signs. There were many opportunities, and yet they continued to harden themselves. And so God hardens them even more. The Puritans used to use this phrase, the same sun that melts the lump of butter also hardens the clay. Many Jews could not believe because God had hardened their hearts in their own sinful unbelief. And this is a warning to everyone who refuses to believe in Jesus. This hardening is like a callus that develops on your hand. At first, you're sensitive to the pain, but over time, that pain becomes less and less. I am, or I guess I, I was a guitar player. And I remember when I first started playing guitar, over long extended periods of time, there'd be this pain and, that would develop the, these painful in, indentations in my fingers because of the tension of the strings on guitar. But over time, calluses developed on my fingers and the pain slowly became less and less. And that's what it's like with unbelief. At first you feel the force of truth, but the more you refuse to believe, the less and less you feel that force of truth. Friends, it's a serious thing to reject God's truth. To reject what God has revealed in his word about his son. And I would plead with anyone this morning who is not a Christian, listen to the warning. Listen to the warning. And this should be frightening to us. If we're messing around with sin, if we're walking in the darkness, if we're hardening our hearts, not responding to Christ in faith and repentance, if we continue to reject Christ, in the end, God will reject you. It's a hard truth. And while most of the crowd did not believe, there are some who did believe. Look at verse 42. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So there's these people who are said to believe, but they're afraid to openly confess faith in Jesus. They're more concerned about what other people thought about them. They love the praise from men more than the praise from God. They wanted respect and acceptance from the people around them. And so they were afraid to openly confess their belief in Jesus. Now, John doesn't put that there in that section to say that that's an okay type of belief. That's a dangerous place to be in. Maybe there's some of you here this morning who are the same way. You believe in Jesus, but you're afraid about what your coworkers would think or how your classmates would respond if you stand up and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're fearful of 
being made fun of or, or wor something worse. And so you keep silent. If you believe in Jesus, I urge you to openly confess him. Don't be ashamed of him and his words. This is a warning to us all. The love of the praise of men leads to darkness, and it leads to unbelief. But Jesus doesn't leave us there, right? Lastly, look at the invitation that Jesus has for everyone who believes in him. Jesus' final offer of the gospel, as hardened as so many were to his message. Jesus, out of his love and his mercy, makes one final invitation for people to believe in him. Verse 44, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. It says here that Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He did this so that everyone could hear him. He wasn't muted. In his gospel proclamation, he wanted everyone around him, around him to hear. And that should be a good example for all of us in our witness, that we would have a desire for all to hear, that we would boldly and clearly share the gospel. And very quickly, Jesus gives us four great benefits for everyone who believes in him. For, uh, first, Jesus says, <clears throat> when you believe in him, you believe in God. Verse 44, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. Jesus alone is the only way to God. He'll say later on, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is through Jesus that we come to the Father and in Jesus that we see the Father. Many people say that they believe in God in some sort of way, but the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way. And so if you're here this morning and you're searching for God, I urge you this morning to believe in Jesus and you will find God. All the other ways are dead ends. Jesus is the only one who leads to God and salvation. Secondly, Jesus says, when you believe in him, you enter the light. Verse 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The Bible is really clear about this. Because of sin, we are in spiritual darkness. That's our condition as sinners because we have turned away from God. We live in spiritual darkness, and we are not aware of spiritual things. But Jesus came to rescue us from this condition. He says, I have come into the world as the light so that no one who believes in me should remain in darkness. That miracle of the, the man who was healed, who was born blind, not only pointed to the fact that Jesus had the power to heal someone physically and give them sight, but he has the ability to give spiritual sight to men and women who are in spiritual darkness. He came so that we didn't have to live in ignorance anymore, but so that we could see the truth of God, 
that we would see our sin and see our need for him. And when we believe in Jesus, he shines the light into the darkness of our hearts and enables us to see things as they really are. Thirdly, Jesus says, when you believe in him, you escape condemnation. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus came into the world not to execute judgment, but he could have. But instead, he came to save us from the judgment that we deserve. And he did this by going to the cross, by taking the punishment of God, the judgment of God for the sins of his people. And yet a day is coming when all people, everyone who has ever lived, will stand before God in judgment. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring judgment, but there is a day coming, and on that day, those who have not believed in Jesus will be condemned to hell forever. And the words that Jesus spoke here will be their judgment on that day. Look at verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. If they reject the gospel, they will have no excuse. But those who believe in Jesus will be spared from condemnation because their condemnation was placed on Jesus. And so those who believe in Jesus will be saved from the wrath to come. And so my question to you all is, which group are you in? Will you be among those who have rejected the gospel and so condemned to hell because of your rejection? Or will you be among those who recognize that Jesus came as the Savior to save you from your sins and the punishment that you deserve? And the wonderful thing is that today, you still have the opportunity to believe. Today can be the day of salvation. You can make sure that you are among those who are saved by believing in Jesus. Finally, Jesus tells us that when you believe in him, you will receive eternal life. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The word of the Father that Jesus spoke is eternal life. If we reject what Jesus says, we will perish forever. But if we trust what Jesus says, the promise is right here. We will live forever. Eternal life. Do you have eternal life? Do you believe in Jesus? 
we need to ask ourselves the question that when we hear that Jesus went to the cross to die for the sins of those who believe in him, when we hear Jesus say, walk in the light while you have the light, are you drawn to him or are you drawn from him? You may be here this morning and recognize that you have hardened your heart toward the Lord in unbelief. Listen to the warning that Jesus gives. If you persist in your unbelief, the darkness will overtake you. And God could hand you over to your unbelief. Listen to the warning, but also hear the heart of the Savior who desires that you would turn from your unbelief and believe in him. Today, you still have the opportunity to believe. While you have the light, believe in the light. Believe in Jesus. And then for those of us who do believe, in response to these warnings, we should fear the evil heart of unbelief because it makes us love our sin more than our Savior. But when we hear the hard words of Scripture, we shouldn't let them drive us to a lack of assurance or unbelief. We should let them drive us into the arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and far away from our sins. Christians here this morning, remember the assurance of your salvation. Remember these truths from the scriptures, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. God has said, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I have blotted out your sins. I have put them into the depths of the sea. As far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We have so many amazing promises in the gospel. Now, as sons and daughters of light, may we walk in the light. May we seek the glory that comes from God, not from man. May we confess Jesus Christ. May we share the good news of the gospel with more compassion and conviction, urging others to believe in Jesus because we know that the time is short. We all need the same Savior. We all need the same blood of Christ. We all need the same grace that leads us out of darkness into light. Believing and following Jesus, who is the light, guards against the darkness and dangers of unbelief. Let's pray.